interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome to Friendly Fire. This is Dan Albert substituting pinch hitting for Dr. Stu Kearns, Pastor Stu Kearns. I'm so, I think I've known Pastor Stu for couple decades. Dang, time goes by fast. But this is Dan Howard's glad to be with you this Saturday morning. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled that Pastor Stu would let me fill in for him. Thrilled that the KLIN radio station will have local news and local programs like this. Uh, So I'm always grateful to be here. And I'm thrilled to be here today because my guest is someone I've known since birth, her birth. When you're older, see, you're always the one that knows the other person from birth. Less people know you from birth. So, and that's certainly true here. And this uh, person who I would never, well, I think I would have always thought she would have been a possible winner of such an award. I don't know how many of you ever heard of the Milken Award, but it's a award for the best educators in the United States. And in, um, in 2023, 22, 23, during that school year, I think they gave away 30 or 40 of these awards across the United States for the best educators. And now, this award, you think, is it any big deal? Well, they give the winners $25,000 of unrestricted funds. That means that you could go to Hawaii, and no one would say that's not what you were supposed to use the money for. But I suspect that the person that I'm going to introduce you to now probably is going to buy pencils or buy notebooks or buy backpacks for her children at her school. And I'm going to introduce you to her now, Lisa Moody. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank <clears> you for having me. My, It's my truly my pleasure. Lisa, for all of you, uh, is probably, probably one of the people, other than my daughters and my wife, she might be one of the top people, and Pastor Stu, actually, um, probably one of the people I look up to most. I uh, have ever since I first knew her, first watched her. And I'm going to let you describe her background to you a little bit so that you can understand how you became an, a Mil- Milken Award winner. You teach at um, in Omaha, at OPS, yes. o- Omaha Public Schools. Tell us where you're at and tell us how you got there and tell us why you're doing it, Lisa. Okay, so I teach at Jefferson Elementary in Omaha Public Schools. Um, I'm a special education teacher there. I teach um, a wide range of students from kindergarten all the way through. I have some fifth and sixth graders. Um, I got into teaching. Um, my parents are both educators. My dad is a you know school, was a school administrator. He's now retired, and my mom is a special education teacher. Um, so I kind of grew up watching them spend their career um, helping students and their school communities. Um, something that makes me, I think, more unique and that kind of also called me to education was I was born with cerebral palsy. And so I knew from a very, very early on in my college career that I wanted to be able to help other kids um, who were born with disabilities like mine and and those disabilities that were different be able to navigate um, a world that wasn't designed and built for them and to still be able to find their way and figure out how to be successful even though 
the hand that was given, the, you know, cards that were given to him or dealt to them weren't always the easiest and didn't make life easy, you can still figure out ways to overcome that and to be successful in your own way. And so I think that I was kind of always drawn to working with kids because it was so natural for me because I understood it and I could be there to help support them in ways maybe someone without a disability might necessarily not understand. Cerebral palsy. Cerebral yes. suggests it's something in your head. Yes. And palsy, I know something related to your muscles. Correct. Okay. Yes. So tell us what that is. What that, how those two things go together and what's the impact. By the way, would you call it a disorder, a disability? What is it in, the, in the educational terms? I have cerebral palsy. Is it a disorder? Dis, uh, so it is. A, it, well, I typically call it a disability, um, but it is a brain disorder. So I kind of I, I use them hand in hand, either one. I'm not offended by either one. I use both interchangeably. Um, you don't seem to have a brain disorder. I mean, technically, I do. Okay, well, I'm just telling you how it yes. looks or how it so, sounds. Tell me about it. So I was Tell born early, and so um, there was damage to the part of the brain, my brain, that affected my gross motor. So walking um, has always been a challenge for me. My parents, I was very fortunate. They fought tooth and nail for every surgery that I ever had, every you know therapist or expert in the field. They fought to get me in to see those people. But um, walking does not always come easy for me. Um, but I was fortunate in that it only impacted my gross motor. It didn't affect my language. It didn't affect my cognitive abilities. Um, it didn't really even uh, affect my fine motor. And so it's just, it depends on where the area of the brain, the damages that occurs. Mine specifically just occurred in the area that affects gross motor. Tell me when you, uh, tell us, uh, Lisa, when did you first notice something different? Oh, gosh. Um, I was honestly quite a bit older before I realized I was different than anybody. I wanted to go out with track like my brother. I, I wanted... knew that right away, by the way. So. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I wanted to do uh, go out for basketball. I wanted to do gymnastics. Because I didn't think I was different than anyone else. Like, I knew I had a walker at that time in my life. But I still felt like everyone else in the room. I didn't realize that I was at all different until probably late elementary, even middle school. Um, so. And what did you notice? That I couldn't get around as easily. Um, and that once I did sports, that was also a tall tale sign. That I wasn't like everybody else and that I couldn't participate like my peers. But other than that, I thought I was just like everybody else. So. That seems like a big deal if I couldn't participate like everyone else. Yeah, it, it, that did affect me. I, I really, that was really hard for me, not being able to do team sports, not being able to, you know, go out for track or, you know, play basketball or, you know, do some of those team activities because I loved that. I love sports. I love sports to this day. And so that was always hard. Um when I got older into high school, like not being able to wear high heels, that was a big thing for me because I just, they were beautiful and everyone else got to wear them and I could not. Um, so that was hard, but. So was the prom out? Oh no, I still went to prom. I just went to prom in my flats <laughs> um, and I made sure I bought a dress that was long enough not to show my flats because I was not, I did not love them at the time. But no, I still went to prom. You know, I still, 
participated like everybody else. I was the water girl, so I still got to do sports, just not in the way that I liked. Right. So I still found ways to, you know, be able to do all those things that I loved, just in a different way. You know, and I think audience, uh, Friendly Fire audience, you can hear probably why I'm so taken by Lisa. Do you hear the enthusiasm in her voice? And if you could, if her voice sounds like she's smiling the whole time she's talking, that's because she is. And for people like me who've had it, things easy, you know, I biggest thing I had in the morning was to get up and find my way to the school bus, and I could walk fine and do that. But I complained all the time, and I didn't smile all the time. Well, Lisa, part of the reason I'm so taken by her is because I've never seen her attitude be much other than I'm excited to be doing what I'm doing. And I find that uh, unusual, unique. And when we return to Friendly Fire... We're going to discuss how you got that way. Was it always this way? And and how do you use that when you work with young people in your school now? When we return to Friendly Fire. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We're back with Friendly Fire. This is Dan Alberts substituting for Pastor Stu Kurds. You know, Pastor Stu is the one who originated this this show, which has been on Saturday mornings for a long time. And if you haven't had a chance, I hope you have a chance to listen to this whole broadcast, but listen to it regularly. This show is about uh, having tough conversations, uh, being disagreeable, being disagreeing on objects without being disagreeable. So you're trying to find ways where we have common experiences that we can agree to. And in studio with me today is Lisa Moody, one of my very top favorite people that I admire and I look up to. So Lisa, and I think you I hope you already I hope you've always known that. And in fact I've been working with her parents to make sure I'm her godparent. Since I'm older, I want to substitute in to be your godparent. So Lisa during the first session, you told us that you've had your your cerebral palsy, and cerebral palsy will be with you for life. Yes, it's right. not something that you were, and it's there's no fix. No, um, you can have surgeries um, or you know um, do some therapy to try and make changes. And I've definitely benefited from all of the surgeries and and therapies and everything that I've you know had you know given to me over the years. Um, but it doesn't ever take away the damage that's done to the brain. So I'll have it for life. Yes. And you're, in addition to having cerebral palsy, you're a teacher at Jefferson Elementary, an OPS elementary school. Yes. And you've been doing that for how many years? Um, I'm going on my 12th year. Your 12th year. Yes. You're a Milken Top Educator Award winner, $25,000 yes. of money. But more importantly... You become a spokesperson for how schools and education should occur. Okay, yes. and, and you won it because you've demonstrated ex- exceptional skills in that area and commitment to children. And we want to, I want to discuss how you got to be that kind of person. I've always known you as that kind of person, but I want to discuss how that, what were the, what were the, activities that got you to be where you are today where when you walked across the stage in california to win this award your biggest fear was what falling and knocking over Lowell and michael milken <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a very big fear so so you're winning this large award for being a top educator uh-huh. walking across the stage in california yeah and your fear was i'm going to knock you over 
Yep. A hundred percent. Yes, I was so fearful. Like, and and that's because of this, the effects of having cerebral yeah, palsy. Yep. I, I trip on things more easily. And then when I get nervous, like it gets even worse because I get in my head and then the brain gets firing. And then it's almost like, um, like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I think I'm in a fall. So I, it just sometimes happens. And when I get nervous, I don't always think straight. And then when you don't, we're not paying attention. If you have a physical disability, you have to constantly be aware of your surroundings. Like when I went to Europe, I had to learn how to rewalk again while paying attention to everything because it's all uneven surfaces. And I don't pick up my feet like a typical developing person. So I had to learn how to basically navigate this whole new environment in a way that would keep me upright and safe. And so when I get nervous, I don't always think clearly. And so I was like, I'm going to knock over these two very powerful, very important people and make it. And you would prefer not to. Yeah, I would prefer not to. (laughs) I avoid those situations, like at all costs. Um, Yeah, so. Lisa, something in your discussion right now just made me think. There's a silver lining in the fact that you have cerebral palsy, at least how it seems to me. You seem to have a sensitivity for people and an awareness of people, maybe maybe more young people that have maybe not cerebral palsy disabilities, but but other disabilities that, that take them out of the normal curve of who most of us are. Most of us try to huddle into the the, yeah. the mean because we don't want to be different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And somehow you take differences and seem to almost turn them into positives. That's how it that's how it appears. Sure. Well, you say sure like that's because tell us why is that true? Because I can't change the fact that I have cerebral palsy. I have it. It's never going away. So you can either take the path where you're really, you know, sad about it and it it gets you down and it's this awful thing. And my life is horrible because of X, Y and Z. Or you can say, well, okay, you have this challenge. And how are you going to rise above it and make it work for your situation? Because it's not going anywhere. And you can either choose to live a happy, productive life or just be down in in your circumstances. You, you, you're exactly right. That's what, the choice we all have. Yeah. I used to pout after losing a baseball game. <laughs> and I could pout for a week. So yeah. I would choose the other way. You didn't. Yeah. No, okay, it, I want to know how it, come. It's exhausting to be sad all the time. It's much easier to be happy. Life is much more fun when you're happy and less exhausting. Okay. There have been times in my life where I've been sad. I really wanted those high heels in high school. Uh, but I I wasn't going to let it ruin my prom. I still wanted to go to prom. I still loved being dressed up, getting my hair and nails done. I still got to enjoy the experience. And it was either be sad about some shoes or go enjoy your prom night with your friends and have this meaningful experience. So did this come from your parents? I mean, did they tell you, look, you're going to be happy even though you have cerebral palsy? Where did it come from? I think part of it is just just my biology. I think I'm just a naturally happy person. But I think being raised by parents and, and in a family where they didn't let it define who I was. I, I was just Lisa. I had the same expectations as my siblings. I had chores. I had to get good grades. Um you know, I had my sister once make fun of me. She's four years older, and she was in high school, and I went to a small high school, so we all ate lunch together, everyone in elementary, middle school, high school. We were all together, and I was over there driving her nuts, 
And like she, little sister. Yeah, and too. she's like, she said something like, "Go away or leave me alone. You're so annoying." Something that an older sister would say. And one of her classmates said, "Oh my gosh, how could you say that to her? That's horrible." And my sister Missy said, "Do you have a younger sister?" Yes. Does does she drive you nuts? Do you get after her when she's being a pain to you? Yeah. She's my sister. She's driving me nuts. She, I don't treat her any differently. She's, she's, and that's how it's always been. I've just been their sister. And so I think part of that piece kind of shaped who I was because it wasn't something that was an everyday conversation in our house. Like, obviously, you know, when I had to go to, to Omaha for doctor's appointments or have surgery, like, those were big events. But outside of that, our day-to-day at home, I fit in just like everybody else, and I was treated like everybody else. Now, you've taken this, uh, the way you were raised, the, sort of the unfortunate way you started out life, mm-hmm. turned it into a positive. Now you've translated into becoming an educator. Why did you decide to teach? I love kids. Um, they're the most fun people to be around. They're so forgiving. They're so loving. Um, and there's something so unique about being able to shape their foundation and be a part of that foundational piece that's then going to set them up for success going forward um, that I really love. And so... Now, did it have anything to do with you having this disability? Did it have it something um, to do with your parents both being educators? I think a little bit of both. I think, you know, watching my parents be educators and ha- having the profound impact that they had obviously played a part. Um, me having a disability set the tone into what area of education I wanted to go into. I knew I, that I wanted to help kids with disabilities, so special ed made sense. But I think just, I, I just, lo- I always loved babysitting. I always loved babies, little cousins, neighbor kids. So I always ha- was drawn to working with kids. And it made sense to do, like, the only way that I thought would make sense for me would to, was to do it in the educational setting. I mean, obviously, I could have gone and gone to medical school, but that stuff grosses me out. I don't like it. It's not my thing. But being able to mold and shape kids into, you know, these young children who are going to grow up. That's my, I love that. I've always loved being with kids. So that's kind of where I got drawn to that. And when we return, Lisa, to Friendly Fire, I want to have tell, have you describe to us what you do in school. You're, you have, you want to be part of this foundation for children, help them develop their own develop area. And you work with with particular children mm-hmm. within the regular classroom, as I understand it. In fact, other people come watch you do this. In fact, you're a Milken winner, which says you're one of the top educators in the United States. And when we return to Friendly Fire, I want to ask you to sort of discreetly explain how does this happen? What is it you do that puts you in a position so that you feel like you're a foundation for these kids and that also made you where other people looked at you and said you're an exceptional educator? When we return to Friendly Fire. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1499.3 KLIN. We're back with Friendly Fire. This is Dan Alberts substituting pitch hitting in for Stu Kearns. Love being here during the summer, particularly baseball season. I'm a baseball person. It's been a great year. The CWS back a couple weeks ago when you were watching CWS, that was great. I'm a Major League Baseball fan, so I enjoy summer that way. 
Lisa, you're a Milken Best Educator Award winner. You teach at an elementary school for the last, over the last decade. Mm-hmm. You've been honored for being an exceptional teacher. Now you're in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Picture yourself in your classroom as you head back for the 23-24 school year. Tell us what your day's like. Who do you work with? Why do you work with them? And what motivates you to do it? So I have a unique position. Um, I helped create and then implement a new type of special education classroom where we were um, figuring out a way to take kids who were typically placed in a self-contained classroom because they were on an alternate curriculum. Alternate curriculum. Yes, those are kids. So those are kids who um, typically have lower cognitive ability levels they can cognitive yes so their iq their ability level they okay. i can't uh, add the same as other kids that's different than your IQ. all right well tell me what it isn't so <laughs> <laughs> your cognitive ability level is basically your ability to to learn information okay. and there are some kids um so probably, mine might be slower yours is probably higher <laughs> I don't know. And let's give you an IQ test. We'll find out. <laughs> I think people have tried. <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. No. Um, so the students who are, um, are on alternate curriculum don't have the ability to participate in general education curriculum like most students. Because? Because their, co- their cognitive ability level is so much lower. Than- okay. So it'd be, it'd be like if I was asked to jump six foot high and I yeah, can jump you, three foot high. Yeah, you can, it's, it's, it, the, the general ed curriculum is not to their ability level. And so they are in a program where curriculum has been created for them to meet their needs and to grow. Okay, them. and that's this alternate curriculum. Yes. All right. So typically in the past, we were putting kids on alternate curriculum in self-contained classrooms just with themselves. Okay. Um, but due to staffing shortages, we had to find a way like... How can we make it work with the staff that we have? And how can we get these kids out of isolation and within general population? So the problem with putting them in an alternate classroom, they're separated yeah. from the majority of that they'd have to go live with the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. They're only in a group um, of students like themselves who, okay. um, for whatever reason, for various reasons, struggled with the okay. acad- academics, right. language, all of those components. And so as a person with a disability, like, I very much wanted to be surrounded by my peers and to um, to experience that. And I was fortunate. I never had any issues with cognition. So I grew up surrounded by my peers. But the idea that we have this these wonderful kids in this room not being exposed to the general population, it was a disservice, not a disservice, but it, it it was a disservice to them. But then also our kids in gen ed, because these kids are so wonderful and they're, they're magical and, and they're lovely. And being able to have them surrounded by their peers where their peers grow up, you know, seeing kids with differences such as, you know, having autism or Down syndrome. Growing up alongside with them, you start to see that, yeah, they have this difference, but we have so much more alike than we have different. And so being able to support that child the way that they needed, that friend, that classmate as they needed, but also finding ways to connect 
on things that they have alike. And that, I think, was the greatest piece that came out of it is we have all of these kids that were in gen ed that took on our, our friends in ACP and, and they... Give me those gen ed, ACP, sorry, blah, 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 sorry. educator talk. Special ed, we do use a lot of acronyms. So when what we did was we placed our students who were on alternate curriculum in gen ed classrooms for a part of their day. And it was really great because they got to integrate with everyone else and all the kids started appreciating each other for what they had in common, but also their differences. And they started to see the kids more like themselves. They saw versus some kid that was in this room all day long. This was their buddy. This was their pal. This is their friend. I want to sit next to him at the breakfast line. I want to hold his hand through the lunch line. Like, they started to see each other as as one big community versus separate entities within a building. And you think maybe we need that as a oh as... yeah a hundred percent. If we could, as adults, live in a world where we see yes, we all have differences. We all do. But we have more in common than we than than not. Think of what kind of environment, what kind of world we could live in. You think it'd be better? Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, seeing these kids grow up, you know with their peers is something magical because they're starting to just see kids for things that are great, not this kid with Down syndrome or this kid who can't communicate or this kid that doesn't like loud noises. Like they just see them as as a person, as Dan, as Lisa, you know, as as Stu. They're just people and that's how it should be. Yeah, but when they're getting away of my you know, I'm a regular kid. I'll get away at my math learning, right? No, not at all. We put, you know, we have systems in place. If a student can't handle um, the curriculum, we have separate curriculum in the classroom for them to work on so they're not just sitting there. And they also have the support of the gen ed staff as well as special ed staff to support them. But we've figured out ways to integrate them within reading rotations, math groups. Why is this um, a big deal to you? Why? Because... Yeah. We shouldn't be isolating kids just because they're well, different or well, because they have a disability. Because that's not healthy. We shouldn't grow up in a world where everyone who's different or struggles with something is put over here in this corner while everybody else gets to thrive within the school community. Okay. No, we are all one school. We are all one building. We are all each other's classmates. And we're going to learn, grow, and change the world together despite our disabilities, despite our challenges, and despite our differences. And that's what you lead with every day. In every the, day. And tell us how that, before we go to break, tell us how that looks. In the, what do you, you're in that room with these people. Um, What's driving you in that room? Or what, what makes that happen? Well, a, a lot of hard work and professional development, for one. Um, training on how to work with kids with some s more severe disabilities. Um, but I think just getting to know the kids has been the biggest, I think, ticket to success. Once the gen ed teachers got to know these kids, it made it, it was just like accommodating for anyone else. So the fifth grade sense? teacher, when you say gen ed, I'm just thinking about it to be my fifth grade teacher. Yes. All right. Yes. So they're in the room. Yeah. And most yes. of us, you know, she says, get out your math books. Yep. 95% of us can find our book yes. and get it out. Not interested, but we get our book out. Yes. But there's. Yes. But now we have these additional people in the room yep. that we're not adding as additional. We're integrating yep. them. They're, they're 
they're they're Do number they... sixteen on your roster of twenty four. They're they're just a member of your classroom. And so, you know, do you pair them up with a buddy to help them get out their math book? Do you have visuals out that show them first, you know, get out this math book, then do this? It's just figuring out a way to accommodate their environment to make them successful. So so part of it, you just said the word buddy. So you have these buddies that help them? Yeah, we we paired them with sixth grade buddies. Um, Each classroom, they have their own buddies. But then we specifically paired kids with a sixth grade buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, to help navigate them from the bus every day through the breakfast line and into class. And then these buddies have become almost like mentors for our students. Um, and so that was a really fun, magical treat, too, because they not only worked on, you know, the logistical piece of getting off a bus safely, getting through the breakfast line, figuring out what they wanted, but it built this social component piece where um, our kids were learning to practice social skills, which is something that they struggle with. But then the sixth grade buddies, we found them giving up their own recess every day and coming to join our recess because they wanted to spend time playing with with their... Um... Why would a kid do that? Isn't that magical? Why? Like Because they, you know, loved those kids. They formed attachments with those kids. Those The kids that were in special ed alternate curriculum that we paired them with... They became their, they were best buds. They were thick as thieves. They ran to them at lunch and gave hugs. They were there. They loved those kids. And I think that's, that's the whole, that's the, that's the why. That's why I did what I did. I want to show kids, all kids, that whether you have cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, autism, whatever it may be, again, we are more alike and more things that we love about each other than we have that's different. And the more we can grow as a society, especially nowadays, and find what we have in common versus what divides us, the better off we're going to be. Now, as a Milken Ward winner, you're you're sitting at Jefferson School. It's sort of like you're. Pl- it sounds like you're sort of planting a seed that you hope grows amongst others, and and others have noticed through this award. Would you? Is that how you see it? Yeah. Is that what you plan on continuing to do, or what do you? So do? we will continue to do it at Jefferson, um, and I know that there are other schools within the district that are adopting this model as well. Um, so in my mind, in a perfect world, I think every elementary school, every middle school, every high school should be modeled. Their special ed program should be modeled like this. Um, how do you teach this model? I mean, it sounds like it's something that's integrated into you it came out of your experiences how could i translate that to other people or can i oh you absolutely can um i think one of the easiest ways is to just get people in to see how you do it watch your day-to-day activity watch how you get bring the students in for their interventions and their supports but then also watch how do they get you know what does their time in gen ed look like and what supports did you put in place there to make them successful um, so anytime anyone wants to come into my classroom and observe, the door was always open. Um, you needed to borrow something, take this. I've tried this, it's worked. Take this too, try it. Um, but a lot of it is just kind of overcoming that fear of the unknown and jumping into it and, and getting to know what works for your kids and your school. Um, but you have to be willing to take the risk and that's, it's hard work. It's a lot of work and it's different than what we know. And that's not always easy. So you have to be willing to take the risk to do it and to 
have that mindset that not every day is easy, but at the end of the day, the outcomes are so far greater. So you think there's a payoff? Oh my gosh, yeah. I had My kids were all nonverbal at the start of last year, and I would say- They wouldn't talk. They, they could not talk. They did not talk. They were nonverbal. And at the end of the year, I had kids formulating sentences. I had kids using words to request things. To um, They were greeting people. They were answering questions. They were reading. Um, the language that the you know positive outcomes for language alone was probably the one of the biggest takeouts or takeaways we got from this was you put ten nonverbal kids in a room together, what are they not going to learn to do? Talk. Talk. But you integrate them within their a classroom with their peers who are talking, they're going to learn from their peers and they're going to start to pick up language. And from there, you just run with it. And we've seen amazing things from that. Yeah. You know, Lisa, uh, ever since I've known you, you're you're able to translate passion through your tone of your voice and your words and your smile almost probably more effectively than anyone I've ever truly ever have met or talked to. And you and I will sit and talk. We were together a couple weekends ago. Your parents' pool. <laughs> I ran you were at one end of the pool and I'm at the other. And we argued almost the whole time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Never broke stride, nope. and you're not going to give an inch. Nope. Very stubborn. <laughs> well, and it's and it's been effective. Yes. Stubbornness might mean, in this case, intentional to do good things as a leader, which oh, yeah. led you to the Milken Award. When we return to Friendly Fire in our last segment, Lisa, I want you to think about and talk about what do you take this foundation that you got from your um, – Having cerebral palsy, turning it into a 12 years of education, now that, now that you're this award winner, which gives you a platform, what's next? Where does this go? What's the most effective thing that you and people like you can do to move our system along? When we return on Friendly Fire. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We're back with Friendly Fire, the fastest hour in radio. Again, my thanks to Stu Kearns and KLIN Radio, a local station who's, who puts on local. And it, it's a local broadcast. It's extra work for everyone in the studio, so I really appreciate that. This is Dan Albertson in studio with Lisa Moody. And Lisa, just a quick background. You and I have known each other since you were born. As soon as you recognized I was there to give you crap all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You you became an educator. You're, mm-hmm. you, you have a disability called cerebral palsy, which affects your motor skills. Mm-hmm. When you won your Milken Award, you were afraid you were going to fall down and knock over Michael Milken when you come across the stage to win your $25,000 of unrestricted funds. Good uh-huh. for you. But you're here now. You are a award winner. That puts you on a platform you're the only Nebraska award winner in 22-23. There's only 30 across the United States. You're in a position now where you can influence others in education. And thank and education needs assistance. It does. Okay. So take your platform, your background, help our listeners understand where will you take this now or where do you think we all should take it now? Um, that's a good question. So I, uh, I like to ask good questions. I I like, or 
my hope for the for the future is that we can show you know certainly within OPS but across the state ways to help students with disabilities be integrated within the general population um, at a, a greater level. Um, I think, you know, using the Milken Award is hopefully will give me um, a, you know, microphone or a, um, some tools in my tool chest to be able to provide, you know, some of that background piece um, to other educators. Um, but more importantly, I hope that it shows other kids who are who have disabilities that it that your disability doesn't have to define who you are you can still be successful you can still go out and chase your dreams and and do whatever you want and that it's it's one part of who you are it's one minute part of who I am and I hope that I can share with with parents and and kids and other you know staff members across the state that we have to stop looking at it as a kid with a disability. He's a child. He's a first grader. He loves Paw Patrol. He loves to play football. He's really good at matching pictures. He also happens to have Down syndrome. Like, we have to shift the narrative and how we are looking at kids. And I think when we can do that, when we can figure out a way to find a place in classrooms for all kids, then we're creating a better educational environment for everyone and not just kids with disabilities, but their peers in, in their first grade classrooms or their fifth grade classrooms. You know, you used a set of words, shift the narrative. Mm -hmm. I think you could, I could use that phrase to describe how the Nebraska legislature went. We should shift the narrative from what, from our differences to what we agreed to. Yes, I think many of the people, many of the, guests that Pastor Kearns has had on the show would say the same thing. My goodness, we're, we're all living in tribes right now. We find all our differences and yes. focus on them. Okay, shift the narrative. That's the key. Yeah. Okay, you're in a position to help shift the narrative. What would you do? What should we do to make shift the narrative? I just think creating schools where all kids are treated the same. So it's no longer, I guess this was a motto we took on. In the past with special ed, you, you would sometimes hear teacher, like teachers in first grade, general ed teachers in sixth grade, teachers in high school say, well, that's not my problem. That's special ed problem. That's their kids. No, they're not special ed kids. They're all of our kids. And I'm a special ed teacher, but I still am going to take, I hold stake and responsibility in the kids within the general ed population too. As a building, every kid is every one of our responsibilities. And the, the way we shift that is by creating, we're no longer dividing kids up. You're not putting kids here who have disabilities in this room. You're not putting kids who are English language learners in that room. We're all a collective whole, and we're learning how to figure out how to live in an environment together. And I think my hope is starting it at a young age with these little kids they're going to grow up as that's their, their commonality. That's all they know. So then that then translates to them being adults. I think it's harder with adults trying to figure out how to make, have them make changes. Because it is scary. Um, but I think trying to find, again, commonality is going to be your biggest selling point. And what's the best? I mean, why would I? I mean, why, why, why should the 
your school or the community in the last minute. Why should we do that? What's in it for us? There's so much in it. Okay, and all right. Tell you, us. You're missing out on being able to interact and have these amazing, wonderful humans in, in your, your life. life. Okay. And they make you a better person. Um, you make them a better person. And you're you're helping each other grow into the the people that you're supposed to be. And you're doing it together and you're supporting each other even when it's difficult. And when life is hard, you're figuring out a way to build each other up and to work through it together. So you think we all would benefit, be more satisfied, be more happy in our lives if we did it this way? Sure. Well, you seem happy in your life. I am very happy in my life. <laughs> yes, I am. I, I, I think that that holds true. We need more that connects us than divides us. Lisa, in the last 30 seconds, what would you tell the KLIN Friendly Fire audience? Um, support your teachers. Uh, they need it more now than ever. Um, and teach your kids to find what everyone has in common versus what we have that is different in each other. Lisa, thank you tons for being our guest on Friendly Fire. You're a wonderful guest. You're, you're a wonderful spokesman for the Milken Award. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank and as we always say on Friendly Fire, think about it, talk about it. We'll see you next week.